Hello, this is Representative Pam Powers Hanley. Welcome to my podcast, A View from the Left Side. For many years in the Arizona House, my seat was on the far left side of the chamber. As a progressive Democrat and one of the most independent representatives in the House, I always believed that that was a fitting seat for me. This podcast features in-depth interviews with newsmakers from all walks of life, as well as political and social commentary. Thanks for joining me on the left side today. Season 2 Episode 3 of A View from the Left Side is a compilation of legislative updates recorded between January 24, 2022 and February 3, 2022. It ranges from regulation of marijuana to cheaper guns. Should marijuana be regulated like other recreational drugs? Recorded on January 24, 2022. It's the first day of the legislative session when we are going to have a Health and Human Services Committee meeting. We started out a little bit slow with HHS, but we're on the ball today. That is why I'm having a video this morning because I wanted to let you know about HB 2082. This is on today's agenda for the Health Committee. 2082, in my opinion, is overregulation of marijuana. First of all, let me say that marijuana is a medicinal plant that has been used for centuries worldwide very safely to help people relax, to help them deal with anxiety and pain and different types of conditions. It's also a medicinal plant that's never killed anybody. Why is the state of Arizona proposing additional overregulation on marijuana? 2082 is a little bit schizophrenic in that in some parts of 2082, it treats marijuana like alcohol, and in some parts of 2082, it treats it different from alcohol. First of all, it says that at a medical marijuana dispensary or an adult use establishment, which I believe those are the same things in Tucson, the dispensaries are now selling adult use. Anyway, an establishment that sells either or both types of marijuana cannot give out samples. Well, they're already not giving out samples. So that part of 2082 is just completely unnecessary. The second part of 2082, which I really take issue with, is it says that the retail clerks who work at these stores cannot sell marijuana to anybody who is obviously intoxicated. This is the part of the bill where it tries to treat marijuana like alcohol. If you're in a bar and you drink too much, the bartenders are supposed to cut you off. Hey buddy, you had 10 drinks, that's it. Well, at the marijuana establishment, they are not serving you anything. As I said, it's already illegal to dispense samples at a marijuana establishment. So this clerk has no medical training. How are they supposed to discern if somebody is obviously drunk or stoned on drugs or if they actually have some sort of diagnosis and that that's actually why they're at the medical marijuana dispensary. There are lots of people who have impaired gait or 
what would be considered not normal speech. And these people are not necessarily drunk or stoned. They could have Parkinson's. They could have MS. They could have autism. They could have any type of mental or physical diagnosis that makes them appear not normal to the rest of us. Police officers have had problems telling if somebody has a certain diagnosis or if they're just being belligerent and ornery. People have gotten shot who have diagnoses. That's not appropriate. If the police officers who are trained are having trouble discerning a diagnosis or an addiction problem, how do we expect retail clerks to do this? I think this is a way to entrap people. As one of my fellow Democrats quipped, there are going to be some aggressive county attorneys who are going to be waiting in the bushes outside of the medical marijuana or the adult use store to find somebody who's walking funny. That's a place for entrapment. I really don't like this part of 2082. 2082 also has limits on advertising. I worked in tobacco control for many years, so I understand the idea of not advertising to children. I also understand that this is a problem with tobacco and alcohol in addition to marijuana. Also, energy drinks. Highly caffeinated energy drinks are also not good for children. So I think it's up to parents, really. Parents need to watch what's going on and pay attention to what's happening in their own households. When I was growing up, I had friends whose parents locked up the liquor cabinet. We should be locking all these things up that are unsafe for children. Liquor, cigarettes, marijuana, marijuana edibles, and guns. None of those are good for children. So parents, please be responsible with the things that are in your house. Again, is marijuana like alcohol? Should it be regulated like alcohol or should it be regulated differently? There's progress in maternal and child health, but we're not done. Recorded January 25, 2022. Yesterday, we had the first Health and Human Services Committee of this session, and it was pretty good. It was long, it was a bit of a mixed bag with lots of different bills, but one of the best things that happened in that committee was the passage of HB 2111. This is a bill from Representative Walt Blackman from rural Arizona. I am so appreciative of him proposing this bill, which funds the Healthy Families Program. This has been one of my signature issues for a very long time. I have also proposed this bill in other years and also in this year. And I am so excited that it actually got out of committee. I'm also excited it is in Governor Ducey's budget. It's like, yeah, the Healthy Families Program will help women after childbirth. It helps them be better moms. It's a system of voluntary home visits and they teach the moms. They also look for hints of things that might be going wrong with the moms or the babies, particularly adverse childhood experiences. And this is a really good thing. We need to help moms and babies be successful. There are lots of other opportunities this year, too, which is also very exciting to me. The state has gobs of money. We don't want them to give it all away in tax breaks this year, right? There are needs in our state. And so 
There's other opportunities in the area of maternal and child health. For example, there is the Senator Pace bill. It is SB 1272. This is a bill that extends postpartum care to one year. Part of the reason that moms are dying after childbirth is that the window of care for access patients is very short after childbirth. Sometimes they can't even get in to see the doctor for a checkup in that short window. Extending that care to a year will prevent death as far as I'm concerned. What we found when uh, Arizona published the morbidity and mortality report for moms, we found that 80% of those deaths were preventable and 20% were suicide. So moms need help, especially with the pandemic. There's a lot of stress on families and a lot of stress on single mothers and their children. There's other parts to this mix. When I studied the maternal and child health data a few years ago, I saw a lack of access to care for prenatal care. Prenatal care will help us have more healthy babies in the state of Arizona. So we should increase access to prenatal care. This is where the nurse family partnership comes in. Now, this is similar to healthy families, but these are nurses. These are not health educators or community health workers. These would be nurses and they connect with moms before the third trimester. Connecting with moms before the third trimester helps moms with their prenatal care. This will help babies come to term before they're born. This will also help young mothers. And so nurse family partnership is for new moms and moms who are at risk. They need funding across the state also. Now that is still in limbo right now. I'd like to give a shout out to these three programs, but also really what the state of Arizona needs is a systems approach to maternal and child health and adverse childhood experiences because these things go together. When the moms are in crisis, the children can fall into adverse childhood experiences and those would be food insecurity, housing insecurity, the loss of a parent due to drug addiction, death or incarceration, and many other bad experiences for little children. We want our children to grow up healthy. So let's properly fund maternal and child health and let's really attack adverse childhood experiences. We have the money to do it. We really don't have any more excuses to just sit on our thumbs. Does Arizona really need cheaper guns and guns on campus? Recorded January 31, 2022. I'm starting off the week with two gun bills that are winding their way through the Arizona House and Senate. The first one is HB 2166. This is on the agenda for Ways and Means for this week. So if you are on request to speak, you can go there and give it a thumbs down right now. What 2166 does is it exempts all firearm and weapon sales from transaction privilege tax or use tax. In other words, weapon sales would not be charged sales tax. This is completely unnecessary. It is picking winners and losers. It is favoring gun owners over everybody else. And we would lose more than $6 million in sales tax revenue if this bill passes. This is a state that doesn't even universally exempt food from sales tax. Why would we exempt weapons from sales tax? The second bill 
is SB 1123. This is from Senator Wendy Rogers. And so what this does is this allows concealed carry of weapons on campus. I have three big reasons why I'm against this bill. They are May 4, 1970, October 29, 2002, and April 16, 2007. May 4, 1970 was a huge black mark on our country's history when the Ohio National Guard slaughtered four Kent State College students who were protesting the Vietnam War and nine other people were injured. What would have happened at Kent State if those students had been armed? We would have had an all-out gun battle. Those Ohio National Guardsmen should not have been there and should not have been armed. They were protesting peacefully. They were exercising their right to freedom of speech and they were killed for it. No guns on campus. The second date, October 29, 2002, was when three nursing professors were shot at the University of Arizona Health Sciences Center. I was working at the Arizona Health Sciences Center at that time, and I, but I was not in the complex when it happened. Everybody was put on lockdown because we didn't really know where the shooter was initially or where he would go next. Again, those nursing professors didn't deserve to die. Maybe that student needed more help, but he died also. Not a good thing. The third date, April 16, 2007, is the date of the worst campus shooting in the United States. That is when Mr. Cho took his automatic weapons and killed 32 people at Virginia Tech and injured another 17 more before he shot himself. He had a mental health diagnosis, but he was still freely able to buy guns and ammunition because we have too many loopholes in our system. I would suggest a no on 2166 and a no on 1123. We don't need more guns. We don't need cheaper guns. And we definitely don't need guns on campus. Guns will do nothing to help people learn on college campuses, but it will do a lot to bring fear into the hearts of some of the people who are there. Guns are about intimidation. They're not about learning. Black History Month in AZ Ledge starts with Anti-Abortion Manifesto, recorded February 1, 2022. It's the first day of Black History Month. The Democrats in the House generally commemorate every day of Black History Month, talking about the heroes of Black history, thanks to Representative DeRay Peaton, who enlightened us about the heroes of black history and started this tradition while she was in the Arizona House. Today, though, Black History Month started out a little bit weird, with Representative Walt Blackman using that time to commemorate Black History Month by having a anti-abortion manifesto read in the name of a resolution on the floor of the House. He also gave a speech afterwards about how many hundreds of thousands of black children are being murdered through abortion, and that Planned Parenthood is targeting black women and basically tricking them into having an abortion. Seriously, Representative Blackman, the women are being tricked into having an abortion? How many of those women were raped? How many of those women were underage? How many of those women were already overwhelmed with the children that they have? And what about the fathers? It's just shocking to me that the Republicans constantly go after the women as if the women are solely responsible somehow for an unwanted pregnancy. You know what? 
There were two people there that night. There were two people there that night that that embryo was created. Why do the Republicans never talk about the fathers? Fathers are the number one line of defense against abortion. The guy can wear a condom. The guy could say, hey, maybe we're too drunk to do this. And, or might say, hey, this is risky behavior, but no, men are full steam ahead and they don't care about birth control when they have an erection. And we all know that, right? I thought that Blackman's speech and the resolution was insulting to women. Women have a choice over their bodies. I think they should make better choices, perhaps on who they have sex with. And that goes for women of all ages and all races and all ethnicities. If that guy is not gonna be there for you, if you get pregnant, don't have unprotected sex with him, come on. And guys, if you wanna prevent abortions, wear a freaking condom. You have control over this. You can control it at the first step rather than trying to regulate women's bodies later. Women have choice and we have agency. Specialty license plates, the ultimate in picking winners and losers. Recorded February 3, 2022. Today's video is about license plates. I have been here for five years and I have voted against every single license plate bill. And I've also seen the shifting sands of the license plates bills where very few of us voted against them at the beginning, but now we're getting like close to 20 people voting against any different plate. So why do I vote against the license plates? Because in my opinion, this is the ultimate in picking winners and losers. There are Democrats and Republicans here in the legislature who always complain about picking winners and losers. Well, how does an organization get a specialty license plate? They have to know a legislator who will carry that special license plate for them. Last year, we had a license plate that passed. It was for uh, a museum in Scottsdale. Well, why does that museum in Scottsdale get a steady stream through the state government forever of $17 for every plate. Aren't there other museums that perhaps could use some extra money? We have a bill coming up to have a specialty plate for a teen center here in Maricopa County. What about teen centers in South Tucson or Yuma or Chin Lee or Kingman? Aren't there other teen centers in the state of Arizona that could deserve some extra money? I don't think that we should be funneling money through the state government to designated charities. There's no vetting. There's no competition. If we're going to have a museum plate, why don't we have it open to a competition? Why don't we have a sunset date on these license plates? No sunset date. So I don't understand why we're doing this. We openly admit that these bills are written to get around the gift clause. And I think that's a really terrible idea. The other thing that I really don't like about the license plates is people really don't know what they're buying. It's not clear on Service Arizona that of the $25 fee for a specialty license plate, $17 goes to a designated charity. It's a little vague on Service Arizona exactly where your money goes. Many years ago when I bought a an environmental plate for one of my cars, it specifically said that the money was going to go to Arizona Highways magazine. I thought, well, I like Arizona Highways. I will go ahead and do that. So $17 out of my $25 fee every year goes to Arizona Highways, which is, I guess, why they don't have any advertising. But this has gone far beyond the few license plates that existed 
10 years ago or so. More than 60 are available. There's many groups that, in my opinion, don't need a steady stream of money through the legislature. But again, I think people don't know what they're buying because it's not apparent on Service Arizona. You can kind of dig around and find some information. But when you're there buying a license plate, what you're shown is the design. And in my opinion, people are buying the design. They don't know where their money is going. And I think that's a problem. The laws should not be written to get around the gift clause. It should not be picking winners and losers. And consumers should know where their money's going. And from now on, I am going to continue to vote against license plates until this system is fixed or eliminated. I don't think that it should be there. And I don't think it should be a continuous stream forever with no review and no sunset date. Thanks so much for tuning in to A View from the Left Side today. If you enjoyed the show, please consider liking this podcast on social media and becoming a subscriber. This is Representative Pam Powers Hanley signing off. Until next time, please take care of yourself, stay healthy, and stay vigilant.